What's your favorite scary movie? something LGBTs talk the horror movie of the week, real life crime or events, and if it's worthy of being an honorary gay film. And yes, the titles are puns. I'm Elle. I'm Kate. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. Hi. Uh, the, the, I think the answer to that third question for this movie in particular is going to be a resounding <laughs> yes. I feel like we yes. need to get that out of the way. I feel like <laughs> we're going to be talking about this one differently than we usually talk about things that are just subtextual because we're... So we're doing... Uh, it came out at the end of last year because it's a New Year's Eve movie. It's called Midnight Kiss. It was made for as one of the uh, parts of the Blumhouse Into the Dark series on Hulu. Yeah. And it's very fucking gay. Very <laughs> gay. <laughs> it's basically one of the very few gay slashers we have. The yeah. Only, like, very... Uh, the only other ones I would consider is, like, obviously Hellbent and then kind of, like, Knife Plus Heart, which we've talked about on the show. I don't, we haven't talked about Hellbent, have we? No, we have not. Okay. Well, yeah, th- uh, this is kind of like our modern Hellbent, because Hellbent is so 90s. <laughs> it's like, we're <laughs> such a product of its time. <laughs> but this, and, and, and this is also a product of its time, and we'll get into that. But so this, this was directed by Carter Smith and written by Erlinger Thoridsen. Yes. If I'm butchering that ice, Iceland language, I apologize. He's from Iceland. But, um, so th- I feel like, it's sad when, like, something like this is a big deal or should be considered a big deal, that there's, like, a, a slasher with all gay characters minus the one female friend that's made by gay people, like, the, both the writer and director. The uh, the writer actually did this movie called Rift that's uh, pretty interesting. This It's this, like, this kind of psychological relationship horror drama between two men. Um, if you haven't seen it, I think it's on, it used to be on Shudder, I know it's on Canopy. Anyway, so mm. a little plug for that. But, and this Midnight Kiss is available on Hulu. So, Al, you hadn't seen this before, right? Like, I watched it when it premiered. I was like, oh, fuck yeah, this is happening. <laughs> <laughs> no, I hadn't seen it. Um, I, I need to watch more of the Into the Dark uh, stuff on Hulu. Um, but, no, I hadn't seen it. But I, I liked the look of the little tab that it shows you for, the, like, the movie preview. The f- and I was like... the. The, the pup mask? Yeah. No, I meant just, like, the, the... It was just such a weird imagery, and I was like, this should be interesting. Oh. So. Oh, well, yeah. Well, but that's what I mean, the thumbnail or, like, the posters, the pup yeah. mask I'm talking about, right? Yeah. 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 It's like, the weird yeah. light coming out of it, and I'm just like, okay. Oh, go. God bless. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. So, I... We should firstly state that this is still a primarily white... White... Yeah, cis film. Um, I I feel like that's probably a product of them being WeHo gays. Not to say that there's not a lot non-white WeHo gays, but that's unfortunately like a lot of what I see when I go out is this exact crowd that you see in the movie. Um, so basically, I'll give a. There, there will be spoilers in this, obviously, especially because one of my favorite aspects of the film is spoilerific, and I want to just mention later. But so it's just it's about this group of um friends, these like. Um, that they go to, I think it's like Palm Springs or out in the desert every every New Year's Eve, and they have this game they play where they have to find someone to kiss before midnight, and it can't be one of them, and them's them's the rules. And but one, and one of them, K- 
cancels last minute to go off with his silver fox sugar daddy, as they say in the film. But he's <laughs> instead the first one to get murdered. So no one notices that he's been murdered. They just assume he's, he's bailed. Um, <laughs> what I'm talking about? So, like, right off the bat, this movie's like, we're gonna be fucking gay. Fuck you. We're reversing the gaze that you would... Get G-A-Z-E, not gays. <laughs> like, the, the gaze of horror. Oh, this is gonna be difficult. To um... Because it's just this this man, like, trying on his swimsuits, and, like, his ass is just there, like, the whole time he's on screen. And it's just, yeah. like, the total opposite of what you'd usually see of, like, the opening kill of something, where it's, like, a naked girl. And he even, like, gets in the shower and stuff, like, normally this girl would be showering and everything, but since this is a gay filmmaker, it's like, well, no. This is what I would want to be seeing, I think. And I'm just like, I'm mad respect for that. Uh, <laughs> first of all. So much not backside even... male nudity, like, there, so yeah, much. there's so much man ass in this. Oh my god, <laughs> <We're> not, <laughs> not as much. As, there's not, there's not dick like strangers on a lake. No, man I swear, like I, I thought there was gonna be like, how close are we gonna get to seeing a dick? <laughs> Will Jason Blum let us see a dick or not? Let's see. Just no. Unfortunately, no. But um, so yeah, that should like. Again, like, it's sad to say that this is such a big deal that a movie like this exists, because it's a pretty standard slasher. Like, there's yeah. twists and turns or whatever you might that you might consider, but it's still it's still a pretty just, like, standard slasher of friends going out and getting killed, but they're all gay men, and then they're one friend of the... One, one la- there has to be a token lady friend hag, uh. I guess. <laughs> yeah. I, oh, I have kind of mixed feelings about her that we can get into. Or I yes. guess we can get into now, which is... Yeah. So, I do appreciate that a movie like this attempts to have a female character, because, like, it is important. Even though, like, it's about a group of, like, a gay male friend group and the the drama that ensues with them, like, it is important to see, like, the relationships between women that they do have in their lives, and a lot of them will have a straight best friend. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, I do, I love the actress that plays her. I think she's great. I think she's really funny. But then yeah. there's just, like, some things that she says in it that kind of, like, borderline her into, like, being a tourist or accessorizing her friends, where, like, she complains that, you know, for example, like, they're going to a gay bar, and she's like, well, would there be any men for me? And I'm like, I just want to be like, obviously not, it's a gay bar. <laughs> uh, or, or, like, her, like, asking them to send, like, pi- a dick pic of the guy he's gonna sleep with, or just, like, stuff like that, where it's just like, um what (laughs) like is this i hope this is i i doubt this is the only reason you're friends with these people and also like adapting their lingo which is all all, almost lingo stolen from like (laughs) from black women but that's another story that's That's a whole i mean i mean i guess what you you could draw from this is there's problematic natures and like (laughs) white gay male behavior but that's this is just a, a horror movie (laughs) <laughs> so maybe I'm getting too deep. I don't know. Do you do you understand what I'm saying though? Do you agree? No, no. Yeah, like, I yeah. Like and like there was one when they were out by the pool and they were having drinks and stuff. And she was like, "Cheers, queers." And I was like, "Excuse me, straight person." Yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah, it's very like yeah, like that. It's like how a lot of the shit that Grace says in Will and Grace really bothers me, where she'll like call Will a homo casually, and I'm like, "Excuse me, like do you think it's okay to do that?" Like I don't know. No. Like, uh, yeah, no. I don't know if an obvious fix for this would have been to let her be a lesbian or something, like Knife Plus Heart, where the the women in that are lesbians, Ayo. Like, <laughs> I don't know. 
But I, <laughs> but this was written by a gay man, so like this could mm. just be his experience. And this, I mean, this, I don't doubt that this is a a thing that happens in friend groups like this. Yeah. Um, it was just kind of wild to see. Or I'm just like, what the fuck are you saying? <laughs> it reminded me of the time I- my uncle was in like a board meeting or something, and um, oh god, what was it? Somebody said like he referred to. Uh, like, gay people as, like, oh, he's like, oh, it's, that, that's, like, for your tribe, and I was like, excuse me. Oh, no! Or he called, or, like, it was a straight guy who calling, like, people, like, just LGBT people queer, and I was like, you cannot use that word, and, like, he, like, called him out on it, and he's like, oh, yeah, that's for your tribe, and I was like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> Double take. <laughs> I feel like that white guy blaming gifts. Oh, my God. <laughs> um... <laughs> Well, there are a couple people of color in this, but they're the first to get killed, of course. That's another thing. <laughs> okay, um, I fucking love, though, I love I had Chester Lockhart. This was one of their first movies, I think. Like, ironically, they were in a, a scene of the first Purge that got cut. And they're uh, like a like model or... No, let me see. I read, like, yes, a, yes. an interview with them. Uh, uh, actor, singer, fashion guru, Chester Locker. I'm like, fuck yeah. Mm. Cause, yeah. Because I thought Zach, Zach was one of the most interesting characters, and they're, of course, the first to die. <laughs> um, there, oh, I, I want to get the pronouns right, sorry. But, so no, you're good. The actor, the actor Chester uses they, them pronouns, I think, and then, but in this, I'm not sure what the identity is. Although, they're, they're using... They call Zach she all the time, but that's just, again, just a gay thing of referring to everything as she, I think. Yeah. Um, it, I, <laughs> I watch, oh, this little sidebar of I watched Boys in the Band right after this, and I'm like, this actually makes a very interesting double feature. <laughs> because <laughs> bo- this is basically a bo- Boys in the Band if everyone just started getting murdered. Um, <laughs> can you imagine? Oh my but, God. um... <clears throat> So, oh, <laughs> you, let's talk about Scott Evans. Let's talk about oh my God. him. <laughs> we need to talk about Scott Evans. <laughs> I want to I precurse all of this by telling my little Scott Evans story of how one year on Halloween in WeHo, my friends and I saw him in full drag as Ben de la Creme from RuPaul's Drag Race. I'm like, ah. Of course, I didn't really know who he was at the time, but my friends recognized him because they're obsessed with Chris Evans. They're like, is that? And, like, turned around and made me follow them. And they're just, like, walking down Santa Monica Boulevard trying to just make sure that Scott Evans, like, we didn't approach him or anything because we're not insane. But <laughs> it definitely was. And then we confirmed later on that he was dressed as Ben de la Creme and his, whoever he was with was dressed up as the lipstick. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Absolutely amazing. But yeah, Incredible. so... For those who don't know, Scott Evans is Chris Evans' gay brother. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, it's uh, there are parts of this where he sounded like just like him. It was so cre- it was so w- wacky. Yeah. <laughs> um, there was parts where he like like it was just like a brief glimpse. I was like, fuck. I thought it was him for a second, and I was like, no, no, brother. This is brother. Chris was his body double in this. <laughs> 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 for when he couldn't be there. Uh, um. <laughs> Yeah, so he plays Joel, who's, like, the, the planner of all of this every year, and he, everyone kind of, like, makes fun of him for being so, like, <laughs> for lack of a better word, anal about everything. <laughs> He's very uptight. <laughs> Con- controlling, yeah, controlling is the better word. 
And, okay, so, spoiler ahead, but I just want to say that literally my favorite part about this and when I was watching it is the fact that he's not, like, the quote-unquote killer in this. He's not, mm-hmm. but he still just kills a man separately. Yeah! That's so fucking funny to me. <laughs> like, I was like, what the fuck, man? <laughs> when have you ever seen that in a slasher where someone just separately murders someone? I- like, oh no. my god, it's because he's a possess- possessive asshole of his ex who dumped him because he was possessive. Yeah. Fascinating stuff. Oh my god, how messy. <laughs> now, I was, I, when that scene happened, I was like, I bet it's fucking Joel. And then I saw the arms, I'm like, yeah, it's fucking Joel. <laughs> <laughs> I also like that he was just like, the rest of the film, he was just like extremely rattled looking, like, just the entire time. <laughs> Even despite the fact that there was like, the fucking killer coming in and like, Tying him down, like putting fucking dynamite in his mouth, or fire cra- oh fireworks. Oh my god! <laughs> um, and like just, but the entire time he's just like rattled. Like you can see, like there's something obviously extremely wrong. Yeah. Um, but just like, like I was not expecting that to happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I could. I can't remember if I predicted the killer or not when I my memory's so bad I guess it's been a year but um mm. did you predict it at all like was it obvious to you or were you like oh shit at the reveal well like for a couple times I was just like maybe it's this and I was like no no, no it doesn't seem likely uh, but then like once it got to like about the time when they all got back to the house I was like I think I know who it is mm-hmm. uh cause I it just made more sense uh, when I was just, like, ticking stuff off, I was like, okay, yeah, probably not, so. <laughs> you had your yeah. chart out. <laughs> and my chart out, I was like, alright, who is it? Like, wouldn't it have been just such fucking wild if it had been Joel, like, just, and then he, like, at one point had just, like, said fuck it and did it outside yeah. of the, you know, would have been. Well, yeah, shook. I mean, I think that's tr- supposed to be a red herring, kind of, like, you seeing him kill this person. And yeah. also even maybe, like, um, what's the girl's name? Oh, Hannah? Hannah. Like, her kind of, like, you know, um, getting angry that she's always left behind, um, when all the boys go out to make, to, like, find, find the boys. Like, I feel like that was, this time around, I'm like, is this supposed to be a red herring, too? Like, (laughs) um, (laughs) it obviously isn't. Um, what else? Oh, oh my god, so, there's a kill in this that when I first watched it, um, I was like, oh, that's gnarly, and then I, uh, someone posted a clip from the Sorority Row remake, and it actually happens in that, too, of death by bottle. Of death by oh my god. Death by deep throwing a bottle. I saw that starting to happen, and I was like, nope, nope, nope. <laughs> nope? Nope, nope. I was noping out of that so fast. Yeah, uh. that's, that's honestly the most clever kill in this. The rest is just, like, you know, the throat slit, the, the... St- Strangulation or what? Fucking throws the glitter on him when he, like, (laughs) slid him in the shower. Yeah. It's a good opening kill, isn't it? I was like, this is homophobic and yet it's done by a gay guy. The fucking needle in the eye at the end. Oh, yeah. What the fuck was in that? I forget what was supposed to be in that. I don't know. I missed that. Yeah, I was wondering that, too, where he got the needle from. But, um, okay, to go back to you saying that that opening is homophobic, well, that's the thing about, because, like, when I say that this is, like, one of the only queer slashers, I mean, like, featuring the whole cast and especially the creatives behind it, because Uh 
there has, especially over the past couple years, been more of a presence of gay characters in horror films, but they usually tend to be side characters that get killed off, even yeah. in, like, a previous, a previous... A previous New Year's Into the Dark episode from last year, so, like, the one before this, was uh, Sophia Tacal's New Year, New You, and there's a lesbian character in this who actually has a girlfriend, and they both get killed, because they're not uh. the final girls. But in this, it's like, okay, well, you know, gay people are gonna die, but it's because everyone's fucking gay. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> but the other problem is, I, like, what, two of the three men that get killed are the, the people of color in it, so that's a fucking Yeah. Um... Yeah, I, it's not perfect, but I really, I, I think this is very enjoyable, and I wanted to do something that's just so unabashedly gay as, like, a Pride Month entry for this, and I thought yeah. this would be fun, since, a, like, I, I'm sure other podcasts have talked about, like, Hellbent, and even, like, Cruising, and we already covered Knife Plus Heart and Strange and all, like, so I'm like, what's fucking gay that we can just talk about? <laughs> uh, um, you had a... You had a true crime for this, right? I'm sure people get killed in the desert all the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I did, and it's in the same state, too, in California. Um, so it was. it's known as the McStay uh, family murders. Uh, they, they were supposedly murdered uh, in Victorville, uh, which is in San Bernardino uh, County. And this happened back in, like, 2010, so it's, it's at least a decade old. Um, they were widely reported on, uh, when they originally disappeared, uh, on February 4th in 2010. Uh, so, like, America's Most Wanted, Unsolved Mysteries, Disappeared, Nancy Grace covered them. So, uh, the background, a little background about the family, uh, Joseph McStay was about 40 years old when he disappeared, and his wife, Summer, uh, lived in Fallbrook, California, with their sons, uh, Gianni, who was four, and Joseph Jr., who was three, uh, Joseph owned and operated Earth-inspired products, a company that built decorative fountains, and Summer was a licensed real estate agent, uh, and she had been born in Virginia, Lisa Aranda, and had been known as Summer Martelli. So on February 4th, 2010, at 7.47pm, a neighbor's surveillance system captured the bottom 18 inches of a vehicle, which was thought to be the McStay family's uh, 1996 Isuzu Trooper car at the time. Uh, and in the surveillance recording, the vehicle's occupants couldn't be seen. Very important to note. So at 8.28, a call was placed from Joseph McStay's cell phone to his business associate, Chase Merritt, which went to voicemail. Um, Merritt later told police that he ignored it because he was watching a movie, and Joseph's cell phone pinged a tower in Fallbrook around that time. So over the next several days, relatives of the McStays unsuccessfully tried to contact them. On February 13th, Joseph's brother Michael traveled to the McStay residence and upon finding an open window in the back, climbed in and gained entry into the house. Uh, Michael did not find any of the family at home and their two dogs were in the backyard. So on February 15th, Michael phoned the San Diego County Sheriff's Department and reported that his brother and his family were missing. Officers arrived at the house and requested a search warrant. Uh, they executed that on February 19th, 2010. Although a search of the home found no evidence of a struggle or foul play, there was indication of a hasty departure. A carton of eggs had been left on the counter, and two child-sized bowls of popcorn sat on the sofa. During the investigation, the police learned that around 11 p.m. on February 8th, the family's trooper had been towed from a strip mall parking lot in San Isidro, San Diego, near the Mexican border. It was believed to have been parked there between 5.30 and 7 that evening. 
Uh, the car's location from February 4th to February 8th remains unknown. Uh, so flash forward to 2013. So in November of that year, a motorcyclist found four sets of human reins buried in two shallow graves in the desert near Victorville, California. Patrick McStay, which was Joseph's father, was informed of the discovery and phoned missing person advocate Jerry Dean of Missing Persons of America to tell her what he knew. Uh, Dean stated in her blog that she had just finished producing a radio show for KNSJ when she received the phone call and that she asked whether she could tell her followers what he had told her. Uh, two days later, the two sets of remains were officially identified as those of Joseph and Summer McStay, and the deaths were ruled a homicide. Uh, San Bernardino County authorities said they believe the family died of blunt force trauma inside their home, but declined to discuss specifics of the deaths or motive. Uh, days after the discovery of the bodies, Patrick McStay stated the San Diego Sheriff's Department investigation was faulty and filed formal complaints. So, the circumstances surrounding the family's disappearance and the lack of clues about their whereabouts was, like, bringing out all the amateur sleuths. Uh, radio host Rick Baker published a book called No Goodbyes, The Mysterious Dif Disappearance of the McStay Family. Uh, he began following the case in 2013 after interviewing Joseph's brother Michael on the program. He conducted dozens of interviews on the case, traveling to Mexico, Belize, Haiti, and the Dominican Republic, followed leads and reported sightings of the family, and in the book, he speculated that Summer might have committed the murders, for some reason. Uh, when the bodies were found, he offered a refund to those who purchased the book before November 2013. Whoops! <laughs> uh, after the disappearance, it was speculated that the mixed days left voluntarily, since investigators found searches on the family's computers for what documents do children need for traveling to Mexico. How very specific. Uh, in Spanish language lessons, because their car was found so close to the Mexican border, police reviewed surveillance footage of the pedestrian gate into Mexico. Uh, video recorded the evening of February 8th, released on March 5th, showed a family of four resembling the McStays crossing the border. Uh, on February 19th of 2010, California police notified Interpol to be on the lookout for the family, uh, but in April 2013, the San Diego Sheriff's Department announced that they believed that the mixed days traveled to Mexico voluntarily, so there were unconfirmed sightings, um, and of course the relatives doubted that the mixed days would have traveled to Mexico, saying that Joseph and Summer avoided the country because of the safety threat posed there because of the recent drug wars. Uh, other critics of the theory noted that mixed days had more than $100,000 in bank accounts with no withdrawal of funds in preparation for a trip, and that their accounts remained untouched since their disappearance. Summer's sister said that her passport was expired. Although it was possible for a U.S. citizen to enter Mexico without a passport, one is required to re-enter the United States. Uh, investigators also focused on McStay's business partner, uh, Chase Merritt, who was the last known person to have had contact with Joseph McStay and the first to notice his disappearance. According to the state records, uh, Merritt had felony convictions for burglary and receiving stolen property. His most recent felony conviction in 2001 was for the theft of $32,000 worth of welding and drilling equipment from San Gabriel Valley Ornamental Ironworks in Morovia, California. An acquaintance of Merritt's told a San Diego reporter, I think police should look at him and anyone associated with him. So he acknowledged in 2013 that he had spent more than an hour with Joseph the day that they had gone missing. Uh, he said that he had passed a polygraph test and did not know anything that could help solve the mystery of the family's disappearance. Uh, Joseph's father, Patrick, when asked 
if he thought Merritt was a suspect, said, I have to have faith in Chase because I have to have faith in my son. I believe that Joseph trusted Chase and believed in Chase. Do I think Chase is involved? I don't think so, and I truly hope not. Um, so he's, in 2014, Merritt said he might write a book about the family, alleging that Summer had had anger issues and that Joseph had been ill for some time with a mysterious ailment. Joseph's family confirmed that he had had an unexplained illness and that Summer was possessive of her husband, but they called Merritt's suggestion that she was responsible for his illness unfounded. Uh, Patrick McStay said he believes that uh, Summer loved his son. So, on November 5th of 2014, detectives from the San Bernardino County Sheriff's Department arrested Merritt in connection with the deaths of the McStay family after discovering that his DNA had been recovered from their car. His arrest was announced on November 7th. Merritt was charged with four counts of murder, and the district attorney sought the death penalty. In July 2015, Merritt's defense attorney filed a request to have the case dismissed because of the wording used by the prosecution when the charges were filed. According to arrest warrant, affidavits filed on the case, autopsies concluded that all four victims had been beaten to death with a blunt object, and investigators believe the murder weapon was a three-pound sledgehammer, which was found in the grave containing the remains of Summer and her son. Investigators testified that they believed the victims were tortured before they were killed. Prosecutors alleged that Merritt had a gambling problem and killed the family for a financial gain. They said that he wrote checks totaling more than $21,000 on Joseph's business account on the days after the family was killed and then went on a gambling spree at nearby casinos where he lost thousands of dollars. Merritt's trial was delayed as he had repeatedly fired his attorneys or attempted to represent himself. As of 2016, he had gone through five attorneys. Uh, and finally, in January 2018, a trial-setting conference was scheduled for February 23rd. Merritt's attorney filed a motion in San Bernardino Superior Court on April 7th, arguing that Joseph's business and accounting records were hearsay evidence and therefore inadmissible. On May, the case was scheduled to go to trial in July of 2018, and the trial finally began on January 7th, 2019, in San Bernardino Court, with both sides making opening statements. On June 10th, 2019, a San Bernardino County jury found Merritt guilty of murdering the McStay family, and on June 24th, the jury recommended that Merritt be sentenced to death. The court upheld the jury's recommendation, and Merritt was sentenced to death on January 21st of this year. So, this has been going on for over 10 years now. Jeez. And the death penalty yes. in California is no joke. Like, you didn't, I don't think they give that out a lot. Mm-mm. Yeah, he literally just got, like, the sentencing this year, so he's going to be on death row for a little while, so. Yeah. Damn. <laughs> it will be wild. <laughs> yeah. Y'all mind if I'm wild out? <laughs> Spend your money and shit? God. That's, that's, that, what? yeah, murder, murder in the desert, y'all. What else is new? <laughs> Well, so is Midnight Kiss a gay movie? <laughs> yes. Oh, okay. Uh, did you have any other thoughts on it? I feel like I talked a lot. I always do. Like, no, please. You're fine. I, I love hearing uh, hearing your thoughts. Um, <laughs> God, it's just so gay. I love it. Like, just unapolog yeah, right? unapologetically gay as hell. And I Well, we can for talk about you were... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Um, oh, I wanted to mention, like, I, I can't go on IMDb because I hate the fucking ratings. Because people are yeah, like, that's it's a generic... Ugh. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> they're like, and I'm like, I, I have no problem with the gay thing, but it's just such a generic slasher. And I'm like, you rate generic slashers higher than this, though, when it's got straight people yeah. involved. So are you sure about that? Are you sure? Like, there was even a gay yeah. sex scene, even though it wasn't explicit. Like, are you sure? Are you sure? Uh, yeah, that's the thing. I mean, first of all, I welcome more generic, just gay slasher movies. Like, it's it's please. the same reason I want just more generic rom-coms that are gay. Like, I just, like, we deserve to be generic, too. How, how please. Are, like, it doesn't have to be this profound modern horror masterpiece. Like, we just want to see ourselves in the garbage that we watch. And this was perfectly yeah. competent. And, yeah, I genuinely would like to question, like, did like to any like like straight horror bros that watch this and just automatically dismiss it and think it's bad it's like is it because this isn't your world and that you're not used to it and that it is so very fucking gay like do you want to like ask that about yourself maybe i don't know and whoever you said you saw one that said the performances were bad and i watched it and this time i'm like they're all really they're really funny I was like, yeah i was I saying the they're fine <laughs> i was like what are you talking about yeah there was a lot of there was a lot of humor in this that I appreciated and everything was delivered really mm-hmm. well. But um, I really uh, liked the, the please, relationship but... between Camera and Hannah. By the way, because like I don't know why, but I just really yeah, it felt yeah. very sibling like, and I just really I really loved it. So, yeah, yeah, everything felt yeah. very genuine. I don't know, like people just it did feel genuine. Yeah, <laughs> when he goes to ask her for condoms, <laughs> like, I have treats. <laughs> I'm just. <laughs> As I loved it, I could, I could watch, I love that so much. I love their interactions. Yeah, this felt very, like, the relationship felt very authentic, especially when it's just them hanging out and stuff. And even the tension felt authentic. Yeah. Like you, you felt the, you know, like, the, the past relationship that whatever Cam and Joel had. There know. was tension, yeah. I was like, mm. Yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Scott Evans. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. Uh, Anyone who wears that gla- those kind of glasses. You can't trust. <laughs> god, I can't. Yeah, I would. I can't I, imagine, like. I This is just me in general. Like, if I ever, like, God forbid, if I ever became an actor and had to do a sex scene, I'd be like, do not watch this film with, like, my family or anything. I'd be like, parents, please do not watch this film. Like, I can't imagine people being like, yeah, well, I'll watch this film with my relative. Pretending to fuck somebody. <laughs> I'm just, I, can't, I can't even imagine. God. Not to bring up Dick Madden, but Dick Richard, Madden, yeah, Richard Madden. He, he said that one time, like, he got a text from his mom that she was watching Bodyguard. She's like, you have to warn me about this <laughs> shit when you're going to be naked. I, just, I almost spilled my tea. <laughs> <laughs> just, just imagining this elderly Scottish woman being like, oh, dear. <laughs> to warn me about yeah, yeah there's i'd just be like just don't watch it you better off oh <laughs> but they want to support their kids uh, well that's midnight <laughs> kiss if you want a fun gay slasher please watch it um we yeah so we can wind down and talk about we've been watching a shit ton because we're both on a <laughs> yeah um, so that's mm. um do you want to go sure. first uh, so All I watched right. the entirety of the What We Do in the Shadows show in, like, two days. Less than two days. Ooh. Um, oh my god, it's so good! I am so excited for season three. I'm so glad it got renewed. Especially after the season two finale, which I won't talk about, but I'm just... If you haven't seen it, it's on Hulu. Please okay. watch it. 
and it's it's 10 episodes they're like less than a half hour long um and it's it's almost like it's like as good as the movie which is very rare for like something i think for if you have like and originally it's a film adaption or you had and then make it into a like tv show but it also helps that like a lot of the um original people who worked on the film are part of the process for the tv show so like i know and and it's yeah, it's just so good. I love the atmosphere. I love Nadja, the vampire that's in the house with them, and Guillermo is amazing. I just I love all of them. So please, please, please watch it. Um, yeah, everyone I know that watches it is just like Guillermo, and I'm like I don't know how oh, it is, but please. good for him. <laughs> I love him so much. <laughs> He's a good boy. I love him. It's on yes. my list. Uh, and then I ended up finishing my book today, uh, which is called The Lost City of Z uh, by David Graham. Oh. Uh, it was about the explorer uh, Percy Fawcett who disappeared in the Amazon forest with his son and his son's uh, best friend uh, back in 1925. And he was trying to find this, like, lost lost civilization, in quotes, uh, that he suspected because at that time they were still trying to, like, map out the world. Um, and, like, that was, like, a charted, like, unknown territory and they suspected, like, the city of El Dorado was there or something. And so he, like, labeled it Z since nobody knew if there was something there. Um, and so, like, a ton of people would, had, like, followed, like, they think the death type uh, went for people who were trying to, like, finish the quest or find his remains uh, was, like, in the hundreds, uh, since people would do it unofficially, so they don't know for sure. Um, but, like, just the, just, the, it's insane. Like, he was, like, one of the last individualist explorers to, that was well known and just went missing and no one ever saw him again or his son or anything just disappeared and a lot of people disappeared too so it's like holy shit like he still has <laughs> his uh i think his son and his daughter they have children i think they're still alive um but like so this stuff like happened like maybe 30 years before my parents were born so i'm just like that's wild uh <laughs> I was like it's actually really close. Uh but that's that's really all I've been doing uh besides working on embroidery stuff and applying for jobs. Uh so what if woo, woo I love job hunting at this uh <laughs> what is it, what's what do they call it on TV commercials this unprecedented times? In, the, in these trying times. <laughs> you can still buy our product. You can buy our product. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you Pizza Hut. Like uh. So what have you been up to? Um, so oh well, I've been rewatching Hannibal like everyone Woo! else. Uh, they really did up the brightness. Yeah, I've been now that I've, it's weird because like, for some reason, like the the time between the second season and the third season seemed like ages, seemed like lifetimes. It was just a year, yeah. right? But for some reason, it felt so like for some reason, and I I never rewatched the third season until oh. now. So, for some reason, part of me just feels like the third season isn't real, and so I'm watching, and I'm like, what? And I'm, like, delaying getting to Red Dragon, even though I'm excited for Richard Armitage to show up, because of what happens to Chilton. Like, I'm literally, like, slowing down my rewatch, because I am not emotionally ready for what happens to Chilton. And that's my cross to bear. I do love that everyone's... People are either just, like, rediscovering their feelings for the show or watching it for the first time. And I'm like, all right, where am I chilling? <laughs> um, this time around, I'm really latching on to, like, the hostility between him and Alana. And I want them to be, like, gay best friends <laughs> together. I yes. want them to 
this. But, uh, yeah. Um, oh, Alana Bloom, I'm in love with her. Yes. Yeah. But, um, I, uh, I also, like I mentioned, I, I rewatched Boys in the Band, um, in honor of Mark Crawley passing away. And I hadn't, I'd read, I've read the play recently, but I hadn't, I watched the movie when I was like 18, like first semester of theater school and hadn't seen it since. Uh-huh. So I wanted to revisit it. And it was, like I said, it was really wild watching it right after Boys in the Band. I'm like, this actually makes for a very interesting double feature. <laughs> uh, but, um, okay. So for uh, the Artemis Fowl movie, <laughs> I, I, oh my God. I was like, it can't be as bad as people are saying. Like, across the board, letterbox reviews of half stars and stars and people saying that Kenneth Branagh should be, like, arrested from Ireland or something. <laughs> I'm like, how can it be this bad? And <clears throat> and I'm, like, watching it. I'm like, it's fine. Whatever, <laughs> you know. Uh, and then halfway through, Josh Gad, whose character's name is literally Diggums, <laughs> he, like... Uh, now, have you read the books? I, I guess this happens in the I books. I think I read, like, the first one when I was, like, a very early middle school. So, and, like, that was, like, the one time I read it, and I don't remember, like, anything about it, though. Uh-huh. I heard it was really good. So, but... Josh Gad, his name is... Josh Gad, his name is Diggums. And he literally, like... He's, like... He unhinges his jaw to this, like, ginormous size, like, Beetlejuice style. Ah! And he goes, it's feeding time! And starts digging into the earth while simultaneously shitting out the dirt. And that's how his character, like, digs and escapes. He's like a thief. And I was like, what did I just see? What did did Sir Kenneth Branagh just made me look at with my own eyes? It's so dist- And then I had to go back to make sure that I'd seen it. Um... So that happened, and so after, the, I was just kind of, like, in shock for the rest of the movie, so I couldn't tell you, um, anything else. Uh, so that happened. On a lighter note, I watched this movie called Big Business that, uh, you, you ever watch a movie and you're like, this is exactly what I needed at this moment. Yeah. Like, it's just this really fun 80s comedy, like, farce. I love a, I love a good farce. Like, very loose adaptation of Comedy of Errors with Lily Tomlin and, uh, Bed- <gasps> Bette Midler, both two playing two different sets of twins oh. in the big. It, it, it's yeah, it's so fun. And then <laughs> there's these like uh, uh, Bette Midler has these two like gay assistants that are also great. And there's like this joke that, that where I like screamed because they're uh, they're having this a uh, potent like who they think is like their client staying over in their hotel. And he's like. Nice, nice kimono. Did you get that in Nam? And he's like, um, no, Fire Island. And I like lost it. And I'm like, this is on Disney Plus. How did, how did we get this? <laughs> but it's just, oh, it's so fun. I, I love a good farce. It's so, it's so ridiculous. And yeah, so that. I've been watching a lot more. But I've, everyone, go watch him. <laughs> Let's then talk about Chilton with me. <laughs> I am open. Kate is here for it. I'm here. <laughs> At all uh, I remember when I was up in New York and, like, they were having some kind of um, screening, I think it was in, like, July or something, where they were showing, like, the finale of Veronica Mars and then the finale of Hannibal uh, after oh, each God. other. And so, I like, I had no idea what Veronica Mars was. I was like, I'll just sit through that, whatever. Uh, and there was, like, a freaking ton of fanables <laughs> that were there. <laughs> and they, we all took oh, a picture God. together and we sent it to Brian and he replied to it. And I was just like, this is a good day. It was Aww. very cute. Uh, and they were all, they were loving the finale, obviously. Um, just, uh, oh my God. what a work of art. Such a good show. Such a good show. So. 
Don't watch Artemis Fowl. <laughs> Please don't. I did so no one else has to. Uh, uh. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> it sounds like a freaking road trip. Like you can only watch this when you're either drunk or you're high or something. <laughs> oh, I should mention before we we go that we're recording this the day after Joel Schumacher passed yes. away and you know, director of Lost Boys. Speaking of like, you want to talk about gay yeah. horror? So just pour one out for my dude. Uh, Kate will defend his Batman movies until the end. <laughs> I will. I I will. I, I always have. Always will. <laughs> As usual, everyone, stay safe, be smart, wear a mask, yes. don't go to fucking restaurants. Um, <laughs> you can find me at Dyke Madden on Twitter. I forgot to say that last time, and we just wrapped it up. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Uh, you can find me at LM Designs on Twitter, uh, and the podcast is on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, Facebook's is uh, Stop Horror Time Pod, and Twitter is Horror Time Pod. Uh, you just... If you got friends that want to know more about horror but can't watch the movies, that's what we're here for, uh, as well as talking about if it's really gay or not, so a bonus. <laughs> and we will see you guys in a couple weeks, so stay safe, everyone. Right. Bye. Bye.